Empire. For most of the country, the mountains are not exactly accessible. The majority of people looking to have an experience the, the, with other people, with their families, with their friends, that they'd like to have, there's a, a time, a cost, and an intimidation factor that we solve here. That's John Emery, CEO of Alpine X, who envisions winter sports becoming a year-long diverse community. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. I had a chance to do this interview in person, which is odd these days. Most of our guests aren't in the Washington, D.C. area, my home. And with a pandemic still lingering and getting new teeth, thanks to variants, it's still not exactly comfortable to do interviews. But John Emery is looking for comfortable in his latest project, which embodies some serious vision. On a landfill in Fairfax, Virginia, miles outside of the nation's capital, a massive structure is going to be constructed, replete with an indoor mountain. And in turn, Alpine X isn't just a park for enthusiasts to ski and snowboard year-round, but the hope is an entry point for people of all backgrounds and economic ranges to become winter sports enthusiasts. Our guest this week is John Emery, who's the CEO of Alpine X and my neighbor. I live outside <laughs> of the Washington, D.C. area. I very rarely get to do these in person. We're here in McLean, Virginia, in your office. I was hoping we would end up doing some ski lessons today, but I guess we're still <laughs> a step away from that, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're a little bit from uh, breaking ground, the, uh, but we're all looking forward to it. Um, tell me a little bit about Alpine X and what you're trying to build here. Absolutely. Thanks, Bram. The, so Alpine X is developing a, a br branded year-round snow sports resorts across the U.S. The first project will be here in Fairfax in the Washington, D.C. area. It'll have a 400,000-square-foot indoor snow dome. They'll have a variety of activities, a 200-room hotel, about 100,000 square feet of other activities, so food and beverage, indoor adventure areas, kind of things, uh, enter entertainment and activities for everybody, not just dedicated skiers and boarders. The, uh, it'll have outdoor activities as well. It's close to the Occoquan River, kayaking, mountain biking, uh, road biking, all kinds of activities. All right, so why do this? Why put an indoor snow sports adventure park, if that's the right word to use for it, <laughs> in the middle of a place where, frankly, I grew up here, it snows a little <laughs> and not a lot. We get a little bit of it. The, uh, yeah, we're getting calls from Portland right now where it's 116 degrees asking for an indoor snow dome too. The, uh, but location-wise, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why we started in Fairfax is a lot of us are from here. So it's an area that we know really well. I grew up in Alexandria in Fairfax County. So I'm really familiar with the particular site that we're building at. 
uh, particular with the, the, the demographics in the area. My background is in uh, family resort development. And typically, family resorts are built a couple hours from the destinations for a variety, from, the, from, the, from, from where people live, for a variety of reasons. We wanted this one to be in the population center to make it more convenient for people to be able to access and more affordable for people to be able to use. So our whole business model, the plan is that we're developing a, a, a resort facility that is truly open to everyone. Es skiing and boarding have a, have a reputation, a, a real reputation of being um, highly exclusive, both from a time standpoint, it takes hours to get to a resort facility, and from a money standpoint. We remove those barriers to the experience. We're 20, 30 minutes from where most of the people in the area live, and we're way more affordable than an outdoor skiing experience. So we're really trying to create something that the entire community, in particular underrepresented groups in the sport, can enjoy. Um, I'll talk to you about Europe because I know these things exist there. This has been slow here in the United States to adopt. So it feels like you're kind of first to market to try to do something like this. What I can't envision, and maybe you can help me understand, is how do you replicate a mountain? So <laughs> what do you do inside that replicates the part about taking the lift up and going down a literal mountain? The, the, the cool thing is it's real snow. It's the same snow lifts that you'll see at outdoor resorts. Huh. So it, it is truly a mountain experience indoors. It is meant to transition people to outdoor activities if that's what they want to do. So it's not made to replace the outdoor skiing and boarding experience. It's more to complement it. It's a great place to train. It's a great place to, um, to improve your skills so that if you're heading to Colorado and dropping thousands of dollars and taking days off work, you're going to get a lot more out of your experience at an outdoor facility by having improved your skills in an indoor facility along the way. So it's truly a complement to the existing outdoor experiences. Now, a lot of people that use our facility, they may never go outdoors. That's completely fine. It's a self-contained experience. Is designed to be everything from recreational up through competitive level huh. skiing and boarding. So we will we will have training for Olympic athletes, training for professional athletes. We will have competitions, um, you know, throughout the year, particularly in the traditional off season, that will make the U.S. more competitive with Europe in terms of training for the competitive level. But the design is such that. Anybody from no skill at all up through competitive level will get a lot out of our facility. Can you take me through design a little bit when you're thinking through, I want to build something indoor that replicates a mountain on the outside that would feel like to someone who's an intermediate to a regular skier, snowboarder, that it would feel like that when they go to your facility? Absolutely. You just described my involvement with winter sports. Again, I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia. Which means so, you had to drive at least two hours to one place so and I more mean, like three or four so to get to a place. Once yes. a winter, the, 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 yeah. the, well, after I started working, I mean, growing up, I didn't ski or board at all. Neither I mean, did I. We did not have the family economics to do that kind of experience. 
once I started working, I was able to go with friends, and we would go to Wintergreen or Massanutten or Snowshoe, Whitetail, any of the local ones that are fun. Which are two to four hours away from Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great time. The, the, it's an intimidating experience when you ski once or twice a year, particularly yeah. when you're newer at it. It is. So we, we solve a lot of that. So the, we have a dedicated training area that's separated from the people doing, from the, the, the skiing boarding runs so that you can learn in peace. <laughs> you can learn in an area with good instructors or on your own where you can build your skill up before you jump on the lift to go to the top of our indoor mountain. The, so it's really designed to make the entire experience more relaxing and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And the, the provide a great experience, help you build skills so that if you do want to go to the outdoor level, which are much bigger. So we're not replicating the entire mountain experience. We're about a 300-foot vertical drop. A, a, a good outdoor facility is probably a 1,000-foot vertical mm-hmm. drop. So it's a smaller version of the outdoor experience. It's a more varied version. We'll have dedicated green blue and black so basically easy middle and 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 a little tougher terrain we'll have a dedicated terrain park which is where the boarders and skiers can do more freestyle types things mm. pipes and jumps and things like that that replicates the outdoor experience really well so on a terrain park the you don't need a lot of vertical to be able to have those kinds of experiences the the there'll be a lot of entertainment Again, that's focused on the non-skill piece of the experience. You mentioned Europe. One of the reasons why these have existed in Europe and not in the U.S. is Europe has a more dedicated demographic group of winter sports enthusiasts, Mm -hmm. higher density of population, if you will. In the U.S., particularly if you get out of your, your, your traditional ski areas, that's lower. So what we're doing is developing a resort experience that doesn't that provides for a lot of non-skill activities. So in the snow dome, if people don't want to develop a skill or train for skiing or boarding, there's tubing. There's an entire dedicated snow play area where just fun things to do in the snow that don't require any skill at all. Yeah. Outside of the snow dome. We'll have year-round indoor adventure things, things like uh, you know ropes courses, the things like that in an indoor basis, rock climbing, um, other activities that that people can enjoy without even using the snow dome outside of the facility. We'll have a mountain coaster which is gravity fed. Um, the the we'll have additional year-round tubing experiences. We've got the biking, the hiking. The, the, there's even kayaking that you can walk to from mm. our facility. That would be seasonal, of course. The, but we're trying to, so let's say you go with your family or a group of friends. Maybe two-thirds of them want to ski or board. The other third shouldn't have to wait around for everybody else to be done. There That's should be me. other things for them to do. Yeah. So there's a variety of things to do where everybody can come, enjoy a group experience, while the group is doing some different things along the way. Then they, they can they can. They can still have a bonded group experience by having all these different things to do. Yeah, on the mountain, I end up at the lodge drinking until they're done is what, <laughs> what, what ends up happening in my experience. But I'm like you. I grew up here. Um, my parents didn't ski, so this just did not happen for us. It would be a two- to four-hour ride to go somewhere, and it didn't happen. 
My wife did ski. We've tried to get my kids into it. I'm one of these mixed families of uh, experience level. And for me, at middle age, it is daunting to go to one of those places. And I love being there. And I love the idea of it. And the learning curve for me feels so high. It really does. And that's a really, really typical family and group of friends experience particularly for people from the mid-Atlantic or, or, or many places in the country. And that's part of what we're targeting. In my, my experience and part of the, the thought process in this, I go to Colorado once every other year the, with a group of friends to ski. The, the, but we all don't want to spend the entire day on the mountain. We're worn, some of us are worn out earlier than others. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, uh, so that's the thought process here. For example, so at the bottom of our, our, our facility, all the food and beverage outlets will look into the ski facility. Mm-hmm. So there'll be an entertainment experience just watching people do jumps, do all kinds of activities in the facility after you've had your chance to be in there. Um, the, the having it close to the population is what really drives that. So if you can drive 20 or 30 minutes, ski for two hours, hang out with your friends in a, in a, in a bar or restaurant in our facility, the, uh, and be in that environment, that's a great three or four hour experience that you don't have to take a weekend off of time. Because the other big issue is time. Yeah. The, uh, it just is hard, in particular for families, but even for just groups of friends, to find a full weekend to take and go do something like this. So you can do this in an evening, have the same level of experience that would have taken a day or two to go someplace else to have. So I love this idea. I wanted to do this in person with you because I basically wanted to say to you, I want lessons. And I, <laughs> but I, like the other part of it is this. And, and, you know, if you put this in a location, and I assume you will, where winter sports are more prevalent up in the Northeast or the Northwest or out in Colorado or something like that, I could see where you have a lot more enthusiasts. As we talk about areas like this, Washington or other areas where there's not a ton of winter sports and you really have to travel to do it. How have you surmised there will be demand for this in these regions. The, the, I mean, again, part of my background, I was the CEO of Great Wolf Resorts uh, for a period of time the, and grew that brand across the country. Yeah. The, the, what we found was such demand for good, for safe, clean fun. So it's not a great wolf. Just very quickly for our listeners is a really family friendly resort atmosphere with indoor swimming pools and all sorts of kind of family friendly indoor water parks. And our Mm -hmm. business model there was to go to um, major markets and put a year round experience closer to people. Yeah. So if you're in the North mid Atlantic or the Northeast, you don't have to travel to Florida to get warm in the middle of winter. The, um, but the, the, what that taught us was, the value of a, a again, a, a safe, clean, fun experience in that order. So I expect the majority of our not, our, not just our team members, but our customers, they're not going to be dedicated winter sports enthusiasts. That's a piece of it. But the majority of people looking to have an experience the, the, with other people, with their families, with their friends, that they'd like to have... There's a, a time, a cost, and an intimidation factor 
that we solve here. Yeah. The pricing is going to be a really big deal. We are, even at our peak times, we are less than an outdoor resort. I don't need to deal with seasonality. So all my costs are spread over 365 days. My chairlifts, my facility, my rental skis. Yeah. My rental skis will get used. 50 times more than an outdoor resort can use their rental skis. So we can have better pricing for all those kinds of things mm -hmm. throughout the year. We can really encourage the, the, under, the underserved communities in snow sports, underrepresented communities, to really have this experience. On a Tuesday in September, the, 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 we can get people in. The, the, it'll be a fraction of the cost of any kind of outdoor experience. We'll have programs to pull in um, the, the all kinds of groups that traditionally have not had this kind of experience. Um, how did you, how did you get into this field, this uh, hospitality slash <laughs> fun world field that you've gotten to do? Cause it's one thing to open up places. You open up worlds. So how did you end up doing that? The, the, our, our, our team just has this weird thing where we like doing new things. So the, the, there are probably businesses that are easier to develop and run. And <laughs> it sounds like this, it. this is not necessarily one of them, but believe it or not, my degree was in accounting. Uh, the, uh, I worked at, at Deloitte and the, uh, met a lot of wonderful people in the business world and was in the commercial hotel business, um, a company called Interstate Hotels and Resorts, which is right here. Uh, based in Arlington, the um, and then really started looking to be able to build a business and the Great Wolf opportunity invested in that, the um, and, and grew that and we like doing things that are really um, pro community, and that's a big piece of why we are focused on what we're doing here is this project is for the entire community and you don't. In the resort business, a lot of times what you're doing serves part of the community really well, but it's not necessarily available. Because of this business model, anybody can enjoy this experience. Mm -hmm. the, the, and that's just not something that you always get to do when you're, doing, when, you're, when you're building a business is make it available to everybody, is close to everybody, the, the, it's going to be affordable for everybody, the, um, again, we're going to particularly be focusing on bringing kids in who maybe parents don't have the economics that others do and having them experience this for free. The facility exists. It'll be open every day. There's plenty of time where we can get take the opportunity to have everybody in the community have this experience without it being a financial burden, yeah. without it being a time burden. And that's just something special, honestly, for us to be able to do. Um, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about technology. So I'm curious, um, we've talked a little bit about design, but I do wonder if technology is coming into your thought because you are going to have training. Um, you've talked openly about some high level athletes you hope will take part in a facility like this. Are you looking at wearables? Are you looking at biometrics? Are you looking at some of the modern sports technologies to incorporate into the experience outside of me and my family who are going there literally to just have fun? The, the competitive athletes um, are already using biometrics. The, um, we would expect some level of, I think the term is gamification, yeah. for your more recreational 
um, athletes, and you see this in a lot of t- different experiences. So the the people like to be able to track what they do. That's right. And so, well, it'll be a lot of fun. It's a lot easier to deal with. But the place where technology really benefits our guests is the ease of process. So it allows us to eliminate lines. And, and, and honestly, post-COVID, it allows us to eliminate touch points. You know, little things that we didn't necessarily focus on two years ago. We get the benefit of incorporating in our design things like how do we make it to where people have to touch less stuff. That's right. <laughs> Just basic thoughts like that that we can incorporate into this new design. But technology allows us to make that all seamless. You can book everything on your phone. Your phone can be your ticket. Your phone can track your time. The um, the 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 it makes it all more seamless. And again, the intimidation factor. What we want is for pe- the arrival, the ticketing process. The rental process, all to be stress-free because people are already worried enough about what happens when I strap this stuff on and go out on that hill for the first time. That's right. Um, All right. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but what's next? Are you, uh, what are you building a race car lap place <laughs> new Monte Carlo. Is that coming the, up for this too? Uh, the, the, the building, building the Alpine X brand out through North America, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The, uh, it's challenging. The, um, you know, it requires a lot of capital. This is a North of a $200 million facility by yeah. itself. Um, the, so it has us fully, fully engaged, um, we're really looking forward to the the community aspect of creating something in the DC area that truly is targeted at everybody, and that's just something special. It makes gives me chills when I think about it sometimes that we can create something, an experience where people can come have a shared experience, even though they have different backgrounds. We just have visions of, of large groups of kids training together who maybe don't go to the same school, maybe yeah. aren't from the same neighborhoods, but they all want to have the same experience. I can tell you the reaction we've gotten nationally from the the competitive snow sports world has been unbelievable. They're so excited. About I'm sure they're happy about this. This is going to expose a lot of kids who have yeah. never tried it and might be interested in the, it. The, yeah. and, and kids who's... Who, who didn't have the economics to do it before. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of competitive athletes in Prince William County, Fairfax County, Loudoun, uh, Montgomery County, PG County, D.C., that we don't even know of yet. They're going to be amazing snow sports athletes because of this facility. The, um, and that's something that the, 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 the outdoor snow sports world has been really interested in doing, but it's hard when the mountains are so seasonal and they're so far away. And this is a chance to actually make all that happen. And the investment to do it is massive to do this right. It is. And, but the, the reason it works is if you do something that recreational people love and it's a repeatable experience, which this is because it's easy, it's affordable, it's fun. And there's dozens of different things to do. You're not going to do the same thing every time you come out. That makes it work for everybody. Yeah. If we were just able to take care of competitive level skiers, we couldn't have supported $200 million facility. If it was just recreational, it wouldn't have supported $200 million facility. 
by doing something where we can kind of fit the demand in year round when the the the, the, the dedicated uh, people looking for training they don't want to be there on Friday night and Saturday right they want more time to themselves so the different uses complement each other and help enable to make this work. The reason there aren't a lot of these in the U.S. is simple. It's hard to make the numbers work. That's right. And if this was two hours outside of D.C., it'd be much tougher because it would be less of a repeatable experience. By having it this close to the city, and I've got to thank Fairfax County for their vision in allowing us to take a landfill and repurpose it. Yeah into something like this, yep. this is why it works. If we bought a farm two or three hours outside of town, it's tougher to make a project like this work. Why wouldn't I just go to the mountain? It's two or three hours exactly. out of town. At the same time, you're in a place where you've got to convince people come here and try this, and I know it might be new to you, and I know it might be foreign to you, but it's fun. Come try it. So you guys, are, it's an interesting bet that you guys have taken here with this, but I mean... I hope it works, and, I, and I'm certainly going to be a customer of it. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. Well, I appreciate that. John Emery is the CEO of AlpineX. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bram. On the next Future Sport podcast, name, image, and likeness was liberated on July 1st, and one former collegiate athlete wants to help everyone navigate a potentially prosperous but murky new marketplace. Boosters can pay athletes to do deals now. You have a really great competitive advantage over some of your competitors who don't really have that advantage. Yep. And if the whole mandate of collegiate sports is equal opportunity for everyone or competition, you've created a divide now that will further, like I said, be some institutions from other institutions, right? The whole cooperation competition paradox. That's Lyle Adams, founder of Spry, a tech company that aims to help athletes and athletic departments maximize opportunity, at the same time ensure compliance and sound decision-making. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.